Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Here's a little pop quiz for you this Monday morning. Which do you think costs more, building a new luxury apartment complex in the trendy Fulton Market area or affordable housing units in the southwest side neighborhood Auburn-Gresham? The answer might surprise you. A new report by Crane Chicago Business reveals that some affordable housing developments being built through the city's Invest Southwest program are costing much, much more than expected. Now, as you might remember, Invest Southwest was one of former Mayor Lightfoot's signature programs and touted that it would transform the city's underinvested neighborhoods for the better. Here to tell us more about his reporting into these high construction costs is Albie Galoon, senior reporter for Crane Chicago Business. We're also joined by president of Chicago Neighborhood Initiatives, David Doig. Albie, first of all, what's the status of Invest Southwest under the Johnson administration? Well, it's uh, it's not entirely clear. Um, Brandon Johnson has um, during his, during his campaign, he you know expressed his support for the program, and then he also said he wanted to actually invest more money in it. So, um, you know, I would expect to see it continuing under him, and maybe even in a larger way. David, how does your work with the Chicago Neighborhood Initiatives factor into this mission of Invest Southwest? Yeah, so we um, we're a part of Invest Southwest, particularly uh, in the the Roseland area, which is one of the Invest Southwest communities. So currently, uh, we're working with a team um, to respond to an RFP that the city issued uh, for three sites on Michigan Avenue in Albie, Roseland. Yeah, well, Albie, how did you realize that construction costs were an obstacle that's facing these affordable housing developments? Well, you know, actually it was when the city held a groundbreaking for the first project in Auburn-Gresham. I just, I heard from somebody in the development community who pointed out that uh, at that time the construction cost for that project was about $700-something thousand dollars per unit, which is much higher than anything you see for, uh, you know, like a, a market rate. Uh, like luxury housing, luxury, luxury tower in, say, Fulton Market. Right. And so um, that really um, kind of piqued my curiosity, and I started looking at other projects and found out that actually there are other projects that have these really high construction costs as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm baffled hearing and, and reading your story as well. I mean, how does how does that happen? Well, it's a simple question with a complicated answer, actually, Um there, there are many, and you know that was kind of the point of the story. We're trying to figure out why are these projects so expensive, and um, you know there are really multiple factors that are uh, that play into it. 
I mean, one is uh, you hear a lot of people talking about how construction costs have jumped, you know, since the pandemic, and that's true. But they've, you know, gone up for everyone, not just for these projects. So that really wouldn't explain the discrepancy. So we try to dig a little bit deeper and, and take a look at what's unique to these projects that makes them more expensive. Mm-hmm. Now, affordable housing actually can be pretty expensive um, in part because the financing is really complicated. There are multiple layers of financing, and you have all sorts of lawyers and consultants, and there's a lot of bureaucracy. And so that um, drives up the what are called soft costs for the project, not the actual hard construction costs. So that's definitely a factor, but we also looked at affordable projects outside of the Invest Southwest program, and we found that actually, you know, yeah, they're more expensive, but they're not as expensive as Invest Southwest projects. So we dug a little bit deeper and, you know, found a few things that that probably contributed to the high cost. One is that they're really designed uh, according to really, you know, high design standards. They're, you know, some pretty... You know, high-end uh, architecture firms that are working on these projects, and you know, other developers told me that uh, you know the the whole process of vetting and selecting developers is um, it requires a lot of bureaucratic hoops that developers have to jump through, and and then you know, contractors are actually brought into the pre-development process kind of late. And mm-hmm. that actually contributes to high, uh, higher costs. So those were a few of the things that we identified as contributing factors. And and just so uh, we're clear on on the the numbers here, what exactly does the disparity look like between Invest Southwest Developments and the other ones uh, that you noted across the city? Sure. So you know, for a uh, a luxury uh, apartment tower in the city, say in Fulton Market, we looked at one under construction in Fulton Market. The cost of that building was $445,000 per unit, and that's under construction right now. Okay. And then, so we looked at um, there are nine, um, nine Invest Southwest projects that are primarily housing, and we found that um, one of them was actually over $800,000 per unit, and two of them wow. were over seven hundred. And then there were four that were between 600 and 700, so well above what it would cost for, you know, that tower in Fulton Market. The right. average cost was $653,000 per unit. Yeah, I mean, and David, what does this look like specifically for you in Pullman? Yeah, I think um, just to maybe build on what Elby said, um, we are we are building new homes. These are these are uh, single-family detached homes. Um, on single lots for 350000 all in. We're doing that in Lawndale right now. We're going to be bringing that to Roseland in the next few months. Um, and so, and these are going to be affordably priced. We're going to end up selling these homes probably for two fifty to two seventy. Um, and we have the same, you know, construction costs that, that other developers would have. Um, so it, it's perplexing to me that it costs so much more to develop um, multifamily uh, really, it's it's specific to the low-income housing tax pr- program, um, and and that we have costs that are basically double of what we're building, um, you know, um, in neighborhoods in Chicago on city-owned land uh, that has four walls, a roof, mm-hmm. uh, landscaping, a parking pad, 
Um, so I, it's, uh, I similarly am perplexed like LB about why it costs so much more to do um, these multifamily units. So, Albie, how have officials from the city of Chicago responded to, to questions about these costs? Well, they cited some of the reasons that I cited um, in terms of rising construction costs, affordable housing, using things like low-income tax credits, as David mentioned. That's more expensive to build. And then um, we actually went directly to Mayor, Mayor Lightfoot and asked her, and, you know, she actually... Um, her, if I had to summarize her answer, it would probably come down to you're, you're kind of missing the point here, and that is that, um, you know, we never intended on uh, building these projects as inexpensively as possible. And she said, um, actually, I'll just quote her uh, for you. She said, we reject the promise that development in these communities should be done on the cheap and instead centered a commitment to high-quality sustainable projects that use world-class design and amenities to spur more growth around them. And I think the general answer that you hear from city officials is that, you know, this is not an affordable housing program. Invest Southwest is an economic development program. And so they have goals that go beyond just creating affordable housing. And so the idea is that um, these these anchor projects that they want to build in these neighborhoods, mm-hmm. the idea is that they will spur more growth. So they're trying to signal to the private market, the private sector, that this is a good place to invest. So yeah. they're hoping that down the road that they get a, a return on that investment. And, you know, we're not going to know for for many years whether that investment actually generates a decent return. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's listen to a little bit more of Mayor Lightfoot. Here she is speaking on Invest Southwest at the three-year anniversary celebration that happened back in November. Invest Southwest represents the first time in decades the city is listening to and empowering local community members and leaders. We knew that such an unprecedented program could only have impact with unprecedented coordination. Partnership, trusted community voices and leaders. That's what this work is also about. It's an intrinsic part of what we're trying to accomplish. Another important part is minority participation, from design to development to emphasize working with small businesses. So, I mean, competitions, they've been held to select the so-called architectural showpieces that are going to be built in the target neighborhoods. So talk more, Albie, about how these priorities affect the finances of the developments? There's a pretty extended community engagement process, and I think a lot of people would argue that's a good thing. Um, But I do think that um, there's kind of, um, as I said before, there are a lot of hoops that developers have to jump through. The planning process, I think, is, is somewhat cumbersome. And, you know, I did talk to some developers who who, who basically said, you know, you we're dealing with multiple departments and um, there are just a lot of, you know, administrative headaches. It's really hard to quantify that, to be honest. So, I, you know, I, I believe that up to a point, but it's really hard to know for sure what, um, you know, what, how big of a factor that is. But, you know, I, in, in terms of the process, though, you know, one thing that I, that I mentioned earlier is, is that, like, the Contractors are not um, brought into the process really until the the design process is over. And I did hear from multiple developers who said, you know, once you bring in a a general contractor, the firm that's actually going to build this, Mm -hmm. 
um, in, in when you build them when you when you bring them in late in the process, um, it's really hard to wring out costs. Yeah. Um, and so what you really want to do is bring them in at the beginning of the process, so they can say, uh, that's going to be really expensive. You might want to use this material you instead, or you might want to design it this way. Right. And so, um, you know, I, 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 that's, um, that's a credible explanation to me. David, Lightfoot also mentions listening to communities and partnership. How has the listening and, and partnering aspect actually been with community organizations like yours? Yeah, um, so I mean that's something we're constantly engaged in. Um, we 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 uh, are always reaching out to the community, getting input, hearing what um, what expectations and 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 what kind of aspirations communities have. Um, and so certainly housing is is uh, paramount when we when we engage communities. Um, it varies. Sometimes there's there's more of a need for rental housing, um, but we're also finding a need for um, home ownership. And and so. Part of what we're starting to focus more on is is bringing uh, new housing to neighborhoods that have been depopulated and providing affordable home ownership opportunities. How's your organization responding to these prices and, and adapting at the same time? Yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a challenge. LB um, talked about uh, increasing just construction pricing in general. We're certainly seeing that. Um, but I think that's one of the responsibilities as a developer that we have is to manage costs and to be disciplined about making sure that uh, when we're getting bids from contractors that we're scrubbing those carefully, figuring out if there are uh, ways to value engineer the project and, uh, and, and bring those costs down. Um, because I think um, in, in Albie's story touched on this, every, every dollar that is put into one of these um, very expensive kind of um, Invest Southwest units is one less dollar that can be used for affordable housing across the city. And so this is a finite pot of money. This is not, you know, some kind of an infinite program. And so um, that's what concerns me is that, you know, that we're really being good stewards and and using every dollar uh, that the public has to Mm -hmm. stretch those as far to create as many new units of housing, affordable housing as we can. And, um, I mean, how does this impact the taxpayer? Well, I think I think the taxpayers ultimately the ones that are um, that are paying, uh, you know, particularly the government costs. So, to the extent the government is subsidizing these units, yes, that that does fall on the taxpayer. Is it clear, Albie, what solutions look like to to bring down these costs? Well, I, you know, I think the city could, um, you know, change the way it's it's vetting. Uh, you know, I don't have any specific ideas for you there, but. It could change the way it's vetting these proposals and uh, going through the going through the process. I know, you know, David might have better ideas than I do, um, but I, you know, I, I I'm sure they're they're probably looking at that at this point. I mean, we do have a new administration in, so I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to figure out ways to to make this work better. Um, you know, in that Southwest is uh, we're it's still pretty much in the early phases. I mean, there are 10 neighborhoods, Chicago neighborhoods, that are part of this program. And I was trying to add add it up, but I think maybe only three or four have had groundbreakings, at least that I'm aware of. So um, I, I do think there probably are changes that the city could make. Uh, well, I'll give yeah, you the last I, word, David. Go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I was just going to uh, build on what Albie said. I, I think one of the things that, that we would like to see, and I, I am a member of um, the Johnson Administration Housing Transition Committee, and one of the things that we've been encouraging is is to think more about building three flats, two flats, where um, you do provide home ownership options and you provide the ability um, to have affordable rental housing. I think uh, if you look citywide, some of the most kind of naturally occurring affordable housing happens in two flats and three flats where folks may be renting to their uh, brother or cousin or, or friend. Um, and, and so mm-hmm. we would like to see more of an emphasis kind of going back to the, you know, many of, of our original kind of Chicago neighborhoods, which were predominated by, you know, two flats and graystones and, and, and brownstones and, and, um, and bungalows. We'll leave it there. That's uh, president of Chicago Neighborhood Initiatives, David Doig, and Cranes reporter, Albie Galoon. Thank you both so much. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Stephanie Kim. Get Reset every morning in your inbox by subscribing to our newsletter. You can start the day with the biggest headlines you need to know and find out about fun things happening in the city. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.